Okay, I'm here with Dr. Sarah Metz. She's originally from the East Coast. Uh, she completed her undergraduate and master's in the Baltimore area. And she graduated with a doctorate in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University in 2009. And over the course of her career, she's worked with a variety of trauma survivors in different clinical settings, like substance abuse treatment facilities, jails, prisons, a civil commitment facility, and the Veterans Affairs. She's currently the Director of Public Health Outpatient Multidisciplinary Programs in the San Francisco Bay Area that treats survivors of interpersonal violence. And her role and work are centered in, centered in social justice and working to build an anti-racist work and treatment environment. She's married, she's got an 11-year-old pup and a beautiful two-year-old boy and more on the way. Dr. Metz. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you for your time. That's quite a resume. Thank you. Uh, very important work. Can you bring me back? Because I knew I knew you. I knew you back in the day before you were I Dr. Know. Metz. That's right. And but I don't actually don't know a whole lot about your story of of what what brought you to that work and how that happened. So we'll we'll talk about what you do and trauma and all that, but bring me back and how you landed there. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think, I mean, my interest in psychology itself really started in high school. Um, I took an AP psychology class and was, was just so excited about what I was learning. It really resonated with me. Um, it resonated with, with how I experience life, how I look at life. Um, and, and so I just kept going, uh, in college, I did, uh, a, a focused clinical psychology program my junior and senior year. And so I actually started training in the field then. Um, and to me, the, the field just felt like a, a candy store of options. It, I, I just, I feel really fortunate that I, I found my passion, I guess, so early in my education, um, and, you know, I think in terms of trauma as an area of specialty, my senior year in college, I started working in outpatient substance abuse uh, programs in Baltimore, and it was just immediately apparent, um, you know, we, we call it in the field now ACEs, um, but adverse childhood experiences, um, as well as just the amount of trauma exposure that that community experienced. And I, I realized the limitations of my knowledge and skill, um, but was very interested and invested in wanting to support that community to the best of my ability. Um, and so just continued with school um, and continued to, to work with um, trauma exposed populations and underserved populations. Um, really wanting to, to help them heal. Um, so that, that really is what, what has driven me and what, what continues to drive me. Thank you. And it's interesting because you said you started, what, in Baltimore mm -hmm. doing um, substance abuse work, but it sounds like what you were finding was the substance abuse was a symptom of the trauma. Yes, very much. It was a, it was a, it was a, a solid coping skill, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I think substances, um, they work really quickly. 
the problem is they start to create their own problems, um, including right. some physiological uh, dependencies that can make it really difficult to, to stop. And, and I guess the, the irony is that they can also land you in situations where you're more at risk uh, for future trauma exposure. Yeah, you know, some some therapists, I don't know if you frame it this way, it sounds like you were a little bit that the substance abuse was sort of a solution, a misguided, imperfect one, but it was a solution to deal with, you know, whatever the underlying thing was. Is that fair to say? That was sort yeah. of a way to the problem. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a, a really solid attempt at trying to cope, um, trying to honestly numb and take a break from the impact of the trauma? Well, it probably is important. Hopefully this is a, I, I don't know how complicated a question this is. Like what are, trauma, like well, how do we define it? What's sort of the clinical definition? Cause it's a word, everybody talks about it. It seems very popular these days in, um, to discuss on, on podcasts, books. It's a thing. And I've heard it described as there's the big T and the little T, but let's just start with like a general definition. Yeah. So I think, you know, you're, you're talking to a clinical psychologist, right? So, um, you know, from that perspective, you know, we have the diagnostic and statistical manual that we use as a guide. And so there is, there is a, um, you know, kind of uh, 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 I'm losing the word right spectrum. now. I'll get back a spectrum. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where trauma can fall. And also there's timelines that inform, you know, diagnostically um, how we might understand um, or diagnose, you know, what, what somebody's reporting. So, you know, I think a big one that folks hear, you know, in the news um, is post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be something we would really consider if somebody is still having symptoms about 30 days out, 30 days out from the actual traumatic event, and I'll get to the more specific definition in a second. Um, prior to, so the first 30 days, um, we would consider it something called acute stress disorder. Okay. Um, there is also like the immediate, immediate aftermath, um, you know, an acute stress response, which is generally as soon as the trauma ends, um, you know, up until maybe about three or four days after. Um, so from a clinical perspective, the, the definition of trauma would be exposure to actual or threatened death, hmm. serious injury, or sexual violence in one or more of the following ways. So this would be the person directly experiencing one of those things. Mm-hmm witnessing in person, something like that happening to somebody else, Mm. learning that those events occurred to a close family member or a friend. And then to get down to the the technical piece in the case of actual or threatened death of a family member or friend, the event must have been violent or accidental. And then also experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to aversive details of traumatic events. And so that component was actually added specifically um, to capture the experience of first responders Mm -hmm. um, who, you know, maybe are, yeah, just constantly exposed. Um, What is so interesting about that? And this is the clinical definition 
is the part where if even if you didn't witness it, even if you heard about it, like, yes, that's an, really interesting. You know, I mean, I think trauma rock can rock our world, mm-hmm. you know, and I think if, if you hear, so for example, in let's say, you know, the event that you learn that a child or a family member was killed by homicide, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you, you can create a lot of traumatic graphic detail in your mind, right, about what happened. And I think just the suddenness, the violent nature, the um, unexpected nature, you know, of what happened, um, absolutely um, can have and, the same impact as, as it, it, witnessing it directly. And air quote, clinically, if you're having symptoms, 30 days or more, then we're, mm-hmm. we're starting to call that PTSD. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the signs and symptoms, if you may? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I want to note, too, is that, again, along that spectrum, you know, of trauma, I think people can have exceedingly impactful experiences in their life, right, mm-hmm. that maybe don't match what we clinically would call that criterion a trauma but still absolutely you might see some of the same um you know symptoms for lack of a better word you know as if it was a criterion a trauma so we chunk the the themes of the symptoms together and the first would be intrusive symptoms um and so that could be you know just involuntary memories that keep popping into your mind. So it's not so much that you're, you're, you're kind of intentionally sitting down, reflecting on things, you know, but it's, you're trying to go about your day and it's, it's almost like a television station is playing in your head and it's out of your control. You can't stop it. Yeah. You can't stop it. Um, You might have distressing dreams or nightmares. And with that, you know, sometimes it's not so much, like the exact content that matches the trauma, but there's emotional themes, fear, anger, anxiety, um, like yeah. safety issues that might come up in your dreams or themes. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So, so maybe the event itself isn't playing in your dream, but it's but it's maybe a dream about feeling unsafe or scared, um, but but not specific the dream itself is not specifically about the event. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something called flashbacks, uh, which we would consider kind of a dissociative reaction. So this would be where you actually feel like you're back in that time and place. And sometimes people actually can start to physically reenact, um, you know, maybe what, what they did at the time um, or have physiological or physical symptoms that are similar to what occurred to them at the time. So that could be, pain, um, you know, stomach upset, uh, that, you know, and again, that can range, um, having intense psychological distress when you are exposed to internal or external cues. So, you know, we call these triggers. And so there's the emotional component of a trigger and the physical component of the trigger. Um, you know, emotional can be extreme anxiety, fear, Physical can be, again, muscle tension, um, heart racing, your blood pressure's elevated, shaking, 
basically your nervous system activates, right? That fight, flight, or freeze system yeah. activates um, when when you're triggered by something. And, and triggers can be a variety of things. So it could be, for example, maybe you feel anxious about something totally unrelated, but that physical or emotional experience of anxiety can trigger that trauma memory um, or something external, a, a smell that was present, yeah. for example, at the time. Um, so there's right. really an unlimited possibilities when it comes to triggers. A limited amount of things that you can associate with it too. It, it, it sounds like drive near but, the street or something. Very much so. And, you know, what unfortunately tends to happen with, with trauma, you're exactly on track, is we start to associate pretty, I'll, I'll use the word innocuous, um, mm. triggers with the trauma. So it starts to do what we call generalize. Um, and so I think uh, um, an example of this would be, you know, for a sexual assault survivor, um, her perpetrator had, you know, let's just say gray hair. Right. Um, so for that survivor, you know, gray hair, maybe it starts with gray hair on men that had similar physical features to the yeah. perpetrator. And then it starts to generalize to all men with gray hair. And then it starts to generalize to anybody with gray hair. Um, because there's just such a fear response to that trigger um, that from a self, you know, from a protective perspective, sure. you know, they're trying to, to stay safe. Um, yeah, that is um, not a clinical term, but that's pretty complicated and pretty heavy duty. And what, you know, I know that there's, is it EMDR? There's a lot of different yeah, treatments me, that are available. Tell me which which ones that you found as a therapist. Um, let's say the ones that you your go to, the ones that you find effective. What research has shown, like, because this sounds difficult for yes. not just the victim, but but the therapist, because it sounds really complicated. It is really complicated, and. Um, we, we were only, for example, just talking about like one chunk of symptoms. So right. there's, there's many chunks of symptoms and, <clears throat> you know, each person might experience different symptoms, even at different times over the course of, of their post-trauma experience. And um, I apologize, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier, but in general, most people after a trauma exposure have a natural recovery period. So it's extremely normal to experience some of these symptoms early on, right? But then they, for most, they naturally dissipate. Um, okay. But again, that really depends on your prior trauma exposure, right. your supports, that kind of a thing. So, 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 so maybe that's a little asterisk. Hey, if you went through something stressful or something happened, you're experiencing some of this, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last forever it's sort of normal and maybe it will subside, but maybe not, depends. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think it's a big asterisk and I think it's a, you are having very normal reactions to something that was really frightening and you're trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in terms of 
treatment interventions. Um, there's so many, you know, just as you're kind of highlighting kind of the complexity, you know, in the way that trauma can show up for people, um, what the treatment match is really important, right? And so there's a lot of literature out there on what we call evidence-based practices um, and different, uh, I guess, like professional bodies, you know, have like certain lists of treatments that they would rank as top tier mm-hmm. um, evidence-based practices. Some that are uh, considered emerging practices. Um, yeah. So it, you know, it's 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 complicated. And I I, I just want to acknowledge. Oh, yeah. go ahead. oh, I'm just saying I'm a I'm a modern guy. So when uh, finish your thought, but I want to hear about the emerging ones if. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also just want to put out there, you know, I, I, I'm not the extensive encyclopedia of all available, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, you know, I think the other, the other piece that we as providers really hold on to as well are the populations that are provided this treatment to evaluate them, right, are not always and actually aren't generally representative um, of the clinical population that we see. And so um, that includes, you know, different um, demographics of people that are included yeah. in research studies, um, you know, different uh, other mental health um, considerations, right? So it's... I see. It, I hear what it, you're saying. It, yeah. Like it the can be kind of complicated. The, the, the participants in the research studies are not necessarily representative of the people you're actually treating. That's correct. So that's you said tricky. it much more eloquently. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's see. I mean, I can kind of list off some some common um, treatment interventions that are used in the field that are specifically trauma focused, um, and these are trauma processing. So I think another piece is there's different stages of intervention. Um, you know, depending on the needs and depending on the appropriateness for that person at any given time of what they're ready for in terms of treatment. So there's stage one, which is really focused on safety and stabilization, Mm -hmm. right? So this is, we'd be looking at treatments at that point that really help people to understand what's happening for them, um, as well as get some, you know, ideally healthy coping strategies on board to help manage the impact of what they're feeling. Right. Yeah. I would imagine that some people they're experiencing lots of disturbance and don't even know a name for it. Like they kind of say, Oh, this is trauma to at least cue them into like what that is first. Yes, exactly. You know, I, I think one common experience that we hear trauma survivors reflect is I feel like I'm going crazy. Mm. Um, some people feel like they're experiencing psychosis. Um, yeah. And so it can be really powerful to just normalize and review what are the common ways that trauma can show up for people. And so in that category, um, there's a number of treatments that can be used. Um, one that I'm particularly fond of um, is called STARE, mm-hmm. and that's skills training and affective and interpersonal regulation. So this is a treatment that was created by Dr. Mary Lynn Coitra. Um, she currently works at the Palo Alto VA. 
Um, and this was, it's not a, tr- it's not a PTSD treatment per se. Um, it is, it's a treatment designed to address the impact of trauma, specifically for folks that have what we would call complex PTSD. So that's someone who has experienced multiple traumatic events starting in childhood. Yeah. Um, and that really focuses on emotion regulation and relationship skill building. So it's very much a psychoed, um, you know, skill building kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a curriculum. Um, there is also a very popular treatment that's used um, very widely in the VA, but also in the community called seeking safety. Mm-hmm. And this treatment um, helps to address that common occurrence that we were talking about earlier of substance use and trauma. Um, so really, you know, naming directly that those things tend to, to, to show up together. When you, let's say we're first in college or graduate school, um, have you, has the research kind of exploded in this area? Are we paying more attention to it? Do we know more about it or what? That's what it seems to me, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. It just seems like the last few years, people thankfully are paying more attention to it. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think the concept of trauma, you know, has, I think has been around for a while. Um, You know, my, I learned a lot about the field of trauma through my work with veteran affairs. And so, you know, the history, right. It used to be called shell shock. Um, you know, they, they had all kinds of terms for it, you know, especially after, um, you know, folks in the military were exposed to combat. So a lot of the research has happened with veterans, with veterans. Um, you know, I think one of the first, you know, treatments um, specifically for trauma was was really exposure treatment. And so mm. Edna Foa um, has a, a very popular treatment called prolonged exposure therapy, and she's at a UPenn. Um, and I mean, so prolonged exposure and even stress inoculation therapy, I think were some of the earlier, like, evidence-based like so some of the the practices that were kind of first evaluated from a research perspective um and i mean there's probably 20 30 plus years of literature on that um you know there's certainly newer treatments constantly emerging i think i think through the research you know and and just through what we're learning we have come to really appreciate as, as a field, but also as a society, I think how much trauma happens yes. day in and day out. And I think acknowledging and, and naming that it's an impact and it doesn't have to be something like combat, right? right? It's, For it's it to really per, have per, an impact. Per, yeah. Cause I think that's what people used to think of as like the veteran having um, flashbacks from a, from a war, like PTSD. And, and I think as, just my anecdote of just looking at what's going on in the world it really touches way more than that and it seems quite pervasive and um i've noticed a, a couple of things you know i don't know if these are emerging things but you know the the psilocybin lsd research for 
I guess, treatment resistant depression, anxiety, I'm assuming trauma. And then a lot, a lot of focus on somatics, Mm -hmm. like like what dealing with paying attention to the body and the nervous system, you know, like that book, which I haven't read, but it's very popular. The body keeps the score. Yeah. By Vander Kolk. Yeah. And he does um, a lot. I mean, he talk about a prolific, you know, publisher, um, and, and, um, student, you know, of, of mm-hmm. trauma. He, he does a lot. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, I, I think again, as a field, you know, there is also ketamine work. Um, okay. there's also, um, you know, just in addition to the psilocybin, you know, other psychedelic, um, interventions, um, MDMA, uh, there's, there's research, you know, that looks at, at a lot of, I'll say alternative, you know, it's not talk therapy per se, mm-hmm. you know, interventions. And I, I do, I mean, I think that's the other piece that is really being recognized is it's not just a mental health, emotional impact that trauma, especially untreated trauma can literally start eating away at your body. Um, and just that connection between our mind and our body, right? Which I, I think we like to try to separate, but the reality is we, we are one person, right? And our mind and our body are connected and we hold and store experiences in our body. Um, yes. And so, you know, the somatic work, um, yoga, um, body work, energy work, you know, all of those things are, are yeah, I've part been of really, it. really interested in that for myself. I mean, not for trauma per se, but to, it really is very complimentary um, work for, for anxiety and paying attention to your nervous system and kind of focusing on that versus, you know, what's going on in your mind. Cause the mind tends to be interpretive and ruminating and tell these stories and often aren't accurate the body is so direct and it doesn't lie. And, you know, you're feeling that thing in your stomach, that's actually happening. And so lately I've been um, really appreciate that work with the pe- people who work in the somatics. Yeah. And it's true, you know, and I think a lot of that skill building that I mentioned earlier that we try to do is helping people to retrain their physiological responses because yeah. after trauma, that central nervous system is so easily activated Um, so you're just releasing those stress hormones, um, you know, your body's in high gear and, and that number one is exhausting. Um, number two, right. That also creates constant fear, right. And that's where that association really comes in. I'm feeling this way, which means I'm in danger. Just this vigilance, right. The the nervous system is just constantly fried. You're feeling constantly in danger and it's exhausting and i would i think or i don't think i've heard you would you would you would say more on this that the the nervous traumatic um the mother can pass it well can pass be passed on to generations but i've heard that like even in the womb Yes. Yeah. So there is literature and I believe um, one, one well-known author in this area, last name is Yehuda, if I'm recalling correctly, um, is that they've done cortisol and stress hormone um, studies um, of women Mm -hmm. and, you know, of children in, in utero. And then I think subsequent, you know, kind of assessment of stress hormones in, in those children. And then absolutely there's an intergenerational 
um, impact of trauma, right? I mean, I think if you're as a child, for example, just from a social learning perspective, see your parents, see your caregiver have certain responses to certain stimuli, you internalize that and you learn, oh, that's dangerous. That's Mm -hmm. scary. That's bad. Um, You know, but similarly, I I do think, right, that to kind of tie that, that conversation around your bodies, like, you know, there's, there's Carl Jung, who, who talks about, um, you know, having these archetypes, right, these unconscious archetypes. Um, Fascinating. Uh, um, I'm just kidding. Yes. You know, very, very, very theoretical guy, but, you know, I, to each, n- not everybody might agree with Are you me, a young, totally are you a young okay. person? You, you, you like Carl? I do like Carl Young. Um, there, there's a lot of unconscious communication that gets passed down um, and that gets internalized and that, you know, becomes part of the culture um, and belief system of that family. And, and rightfully so, right? Like there's a lot of um, historical traumas that... Right. We, we all hear of, you know, parents or grandparents went through the Great Depression. So generations later, people are still concerned about money. Holocaust survivors passing that down generation to generation. Um, I'm going to flip it around, though, if you don't mind me, because you, as a therapist, a clinician, must have heard some really heavy stuff and some traumatic, difficult situations. So what... What do you do to protect yourself from, from absorbing that? Like what, how does that work? I've always been curious, like, you know, how do you, how does the helper get help? Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you uh, bringing that into the conversation. Um, And I'll say that what, you know, there's, there's a word for everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we, we talk a lot about vicarious traumatization, Yeah. um, you know, which, which is, you know, the impact for the care provider, you know, in terms of that trauma exposure. Um, And I'll be, I mean, I can speak for my, you know, myself, you know, different agencies where I've worked. I mean, ideally your work environment is, is providing resources and space to, to mitigate, you know, and mediate that. I think the one thing that's, that I find really important is again, you know, as we talked earlier, that these are normal reactions, mm-hmm. right, to trauma, that you can't do this work and not experience vicarious traumatization. So I right. think first and foremost, especially from a provider perspective, that is key, because similarly, you can start to feel like I'm doing it wrong. I'm a bad therapist. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not cut out for this work. And the reality is, it's a totally normal part right. of or, or maybe the experience. it's the opposite. If, if you're not experiencing any of that, maybe you're not cut out for it. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Right. Maybe, maybe you're, you're too disconnected from the work. Right. Um, so everybody's different. You know, we talk a lot about self-care. I think for myself, um, what I've needed to do um, to, to mitigate the impact of vicarious trauma has also changed based on the population that I work with. Um, you know, for some populations, mm-hmm. the trauma experience is more removed from my personal experience. So what I mean by that is, yeah. you know, at the VA, I wasn't ever in combat 
for experience. I haven't been in the military. So that, so that so, maybe didn't trigger you because you've never experienced that. Yeah. Well, it certainly, you know, believe me, was was still absolutely difficult to hear. And, you know, just holding that that was somebody's right. experience. Right. But there was some some distancing, some mm-hmm. some normal distancing, you know, that that yeah. that allowed for itself. Um, so what I needed to do when working at the VA was very different than what I needed to do, for example, when I started working with crime survivors. Um, so different things. I don't know. I'm a very physical, back to the body, a very physical person. Um, I found I needed, I, you know, I exercise has always been a coping skill for me throughout my life. Um, but I found that I, I needed something pretty heavily physical and also mm-hmm. mentally challenging at the same time to really give my brain a break to really help it to shift gears um you know but then curiously after some years of of that I realized I don't need to be like ah like tight I actually I need help releasing and so I actually shifted um to focusing more on yoga Uh um less uh, cardio hardcore running more like energy work yeah. Um, and really for myself, training my body mm-hmm. to relax and release because I would hold, um, you know, I love to cook, um, mm-hmm. eat. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, again, I think I've, I've really had, you know, it's a parallel process, I think, with with what how we try to support our clients is staying in tuned with what is my inner self saying, right? What do I really need? Um, and listening to that and just trying out different things. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. I'm looking at your, your bio again. I mean, you substance abuse treatment, jails, prisons, crime victims, you know, veterans. I mean, you've been exposed to some of the most traumatic, you know, situations in, in our world. Yeah, I mean it. It is. It's it's intense, you know. But I, um, I, I think you know maybe to to circle back to to where we started at the beginning. It fills my tank. Mm-hmm. It is. It is absolutely one of the most awe inspiring experiences to sit across from a survivor, yeah, and see them work to heal like just saying it i'm getting chills i mean no i see it yeah see them do the work see them progress see you know it's it must be inspiring and it must feel great that you're you're having a part in that it's a privilege you know it, it it really is a true privilege for somebody to share with you some of you know their most vulnerable experiences that they've had in their life um, and, and I think just, you know, as I guess a, a, a contributor, you know, I, it, it helps me to feel connected to my community. It helps me feel like I'm supporting my community. You know, I think one thing we haven't explicitly named, you know, but is, is also, you know, the, I think the relationship between trauma, for example, and, and racism and that yeah. chronic experience over life and yeah i was going to ask you about that next so thank you because that's part of a part of what you're passionate about as well perfect segue tell me more yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think, especially as a white woman, um, you know, working with, with BIPOC communities, having that be, you know, an explicit part of the work and having, you know, building that trust, um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, is, is again, just really powerful and, and it's a privilege. Was, was there some challenging challenges of building that trust? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I continue to, to learn, Yeah. you know, I continue to learn about my privilege. I continue to learn about my conscious and unconscious biases and how that plays out. But, oh my goodness. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, when I started working, um, in substance abuse in Baltimore, I, I did predominantly work with the African-American community and they would, you know, I was what, 20 years old, you know, and they'd look at me and I'd be like, what is this 20 year old white girl? Like know anything know? about anything. And I'm right. like, yeah, you're right. right. I right. don't know. Right. Did you grow up in East Baltimore lady? Yeah. Um, so absolutely. But I, I think especially those early experiences taught me to, to listen and taught me to inquire and taught me to, to be humble. Um, that is absolutely not to say that I did not make horrible assumptions. Sure. Um, and, and then you get, I'm, I'm sure feed, I'm sure you get feedback in various ways and then you kind of pivot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, ha- it's, it's a lifelong learning process, right. To, to be engaged in that kind of work. And, and that is something I'm, I'm super proud of, you know, the organization that I work with is, is how we approach that and, and prioritize that and learn together. Um, yeah, no, it's so interesting. Cause it's not, as you're saying, it's, it's way more complicated than even just dealing with or treating the trauma. There's a whole context in which this happens, a social context, um, biological, historical, you're bringing your biases and all of, um, all of your history to it. And, and to untie all that is, uh, yeah, a lifelong journey. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and um, what, um, what else you yourself have, uh, you're married, you have, you have a child. I do. What, uh, what's that, what's that been like? Um, you know, you didn't have a child and then you had a child. He's two, right? Yep. And what do you think that has changed your, changed you in professionally or your view of the world? Like what's that done? Yeah. I, I, yes. I, I think the, the simple answer to that is yes. Um, (laughs) you know, talk about, I guess, um, you know, having, having bared witness to, to a lot of different, you know, traumatic experiences, including a lot of, you know, childhood, um, you know, trauma. And, and I do, I, I support a program that treats, you know, children that have been sexually abused. And so, um, you know, it, it's been, you know, just as like a mother, I think, you know, (laughs) certainly intense, um, transition and, and, an experience and an added identity. Um, you know, I, I think maybe because of the work that I do, you know, it, it, it just, my, you know, I would constantly think about like, 
you know, bad things that can happen to him. It, it, yeah, that's sort of where I was going. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you have, it might be an occupational hazard, but it's certainly yeah. a lens and a way of looking at the world. And same with me as a lawyer. It's like, I'm going to teach you how not to get arrested. Yeah. And I'm going to start at a very young age to be like, take an Uber. You know, I'm, I do a lot of drunk driving cases, you know. Um, here, here's, you know, the pitfalls and you see them and you're extra sensitive. And, you know, my, th my kids think I'm a little nuts, but that's what you see out there. And that's, that's a particular, particular lens. So it definitely informs, at least for me, like, oh shit, I hope my kids don't do that. Or, you know, I have to remind myself that. <laughs> Go, yeah. <laughs> Because there, there is this, even as an attorney, you know, you absorb, at least I do, all of these things that happen to people. And when they come to me, it's not usually for a good thing. Yeah. And it sometimes, sometimes uh, makes me, makes me very anxious being in the world. You know, there's a lot of like, that could happen to me. Yes. I could make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. Um, and it, it made it, you know, when I hear you know, details of, for example, child sexual abuse. I mean, it, it, it lands very differently now. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine. That's, that's really, um, you're gonna need a lot of yoga. Yeah. <laughs> after, after that one. Um, and you are in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes. That's wonderful. One of my favorite places. And um, what other resources, like um, we mentioned Body Keeps a Score, if someone wants to learn more about trauma, if someone's dealing with it, hopefully they'll find a professional. Yeah. And what other like resources do you think are helpful or would you point to, let's say, the general public? If, you, if anything comes to mind, they don't want to put you on the spot too much. Sure. You know, I think it, it's, some of it is trauma specific, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning your particular trauma experience, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there's lots of organizations, um, you know, one, for example, for sexual violence is RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, if you're looking for a provider, I believe it's, you know, psychology today, you can do find a provider. Yeah. Um, there's the American Psychological Association, each state also has a psychological association um, where you could look for providers. Um, I think in, in terms of if you're interested in, in the content, but also just getting an understanding, uh, there's Judith Herman's book on trauma. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do think if, if you are a trauma survivor and you're looking for resources, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have a therapist when you're reading those kinds of books, just yeah. to make sure that, that you're, um, you know, applying them, um, as, as best as possible. Um, I think, uh, universities tend to have, like, if you're looking for a sliding scale or no cost, um, supports, Universities often, especially if they have psychology programs, have like training clinics. Um, and I'll tell you that 
as a prior trainee myself, you get amazing care because they're so motivated to learn and to help. Um, they're so 110% because they're still learning. They're, they're so in. So don't, don't underestimate that. Um, let's see other potential resources. Um, yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, any other words of wisdom? Um, I want to make sure that we have covered everything that you want to cover. Obviously, you can't. We can't do justice to this. Like, you spend your life studying this. Um, it's it's an incredibly complex and interesting, pervasive topic. But. Um, I want to just make sure that there's nothing else that you, you feel that you must share because you've shared so much great wisdom. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I mean, I really appreciated your questions. They're really thoughtful. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, yeah. I think people can experience that as, as a weakness. And I honestly think it takes a hell of a lot of strength to reach out for help. Yeah, I, I Especially would really resonate when you said like when people come to you and they're like, I think I'm like crazy and I think I'm going through psychosis. Like that just hit me like how painful that must be to, to be going through that and, and probably and alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you know, and I, and I think there's, there's no way to expect that you would be able to know for yourself Mm -hmm. you know, what's happening. The impact of trauma can be very insidious. Um, and so, you know, I think there's no shoulds, right? You shouldn't yeah. know, shouldn't not know, shouldn't be able to cope or not cope. You know, I think um, just reaching out and asking questions right. and, and getting the help you need. I'm glad you brought that up because I can, I could think of a situation where someone would be like, well, why can't I just deal with my own life? Yeah. Maybe I'm weak. Maybe I'm not strong enough and I'm just going to deal with this privately and I shouldn't need a, a therapist or I shouldn't this, this and that. I can totally see that uh, from a specific type of person. Yeah. And that those shoulds can keep us stuck in suffering for a really long time. Stuck in suffering and maybe spiral into something worse, right? To like the self-medication. We started the conversation with substance abuse, overeating, who knows? Yep. Yeah. So Sarah Metz, Dr. Sarah Metz. See, I knew her. I knew her before. <laughs> I knew her before she was she was the doc. So I could That's I can good. just say Metz. You totally can. Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Metz. Dr. Sarah Metz. Um, oh, my phone's ringing. Or we knew her. We knew her back in the day as Metz. Hey. Um, hey. Thank you so much. I know you're yeah. busy and I appreciate your time. And um hopefully uh, I wish you the best with your family and your more family coming on the way and you are awesome and people can't see you, but you look like a therapist. You got to look. <laughs> oh, totally, right? <laughs> you, definitely. You know, some people look like librarians, some like, some like cops, lawyers, you're a therapist. Yeah. It's the vibe, man. Well, thank you. And it's been so good reconnecting. Yeah. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. All right. You too. See ya. Okay.